Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. everybody hello and welcome to this week's episode of got your ears on guido here along with scoop my boy and johnson guido it was a great weekend to be a mountaineer wherever you may be it was an awesome weekend to be a mountaineer especially if you're the got your ears on crew got your ears on crew was in morgantown this weekend handing out koozies maybe you were lucky enough to get a koozie in the blue lot we're handing out koozies again this year scoot good job i was all over it uh made some new friends yeah and uh but we got to see we got to sit together watch some basketball games and we went and saw wvu beat texas 31 to 23 johnson and it was a good time yeah and it was Something that was kind of unexpected, really. I mean, I didn't expect to jump out onto them with 21 first half points, Guido. Like, I I don't know what you were expecting when we sat down, but my, and I think we talked about it last week, my whole, um, what do I want to say, worry, trepidation about this game going in was we, we watched... Texas. Now, they're without Bijan Robinson here. I think that obviously played a role, but. We watched them score 57 points in a losing effort against Kansas. We know they can score some points. Um, you were talking about the over-under coming in. I was really worried that we were going to be able, you know, is the defense going to be able to slow them down so that the offense can keep pace with points? How's that going to work? But, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. The offense came out and played a really nice first half, gave us the advantage. And then from there, we just kind of weathered the storm, I felt like. Yeah, Scooty, and I mean, I thought it was – you know, it was nice to see WVU uh, kind of come out on Texas early and jump on them, you know, from the get-go. I, I think that the one thing it did show us is that Tex, that Steve Sarkeesian Texas team is in rough shape. Yeah, they looked like they were they were definitely missing some pieces. Um, that's not even a an average-looking Texas team. Um, I, I was kind of surprised as to how well we ran the ball. Um, it had been a while since we had run the ball as well. It felt like anyway. Well, now I would challenge you there, Scoot, just a little bit. I think by the end of the game, we were running the ball really well. I think early, I was actually frustrated that it seemed like we couldn't run the ball. Like, I think that first half. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I'm, I don't know if we just wore them down through the, through the course of the game, but I thought early I, I was, I kept bumping Guido. Like I'm a little frustrated. We can't run the ball here. Yeah. I think that, you know, Letty had a hard time getting started again. I, I, and um, it's uh, I'll keep, we keep saying it's a young offensive line, and it is, but that was a bad defensive line, and I that offensive line just it, they they aren't making the holes or getting Letty, you know the the space that he needs to be able to break free when he when they do and the couple plays they do, you know I mean he had that he had that twenty six yard run that was awesome like. There are a couple of times that he can break free. When he gets space, he's really good. He's having a hard time getting space. I yeah, I mean, I, I think Scoot's right. I mean, overall, you can't complain about Letty going for 158 in a touchdown. You're right, Guido. His long run was 26. But, I, Scoot, I was just saying, I think early I was like, man, this is really going to be frustrating if we can't run the ball. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, we saw in the first half, I believe it was the first half, where uh, Deggy got sacked twice in a row. Did we not see – that was – the game kind of is a blur to me at, at parts. But um, I, I would argue that the defensive line, some of those guys look pretty formidable. Now, maybe they don't have technique and skill, but 
we talked about during the game, number 98 for Texas' defensive line. I don't know that the three of us trying to block him would be able to stop him. That guy was like a right. mountain of a man. Right. Um, I, I think that, of course, we got our one token Garrett Green play. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, it was exciting. It, it was actually it was, it was new, right? It was new. We had him in with Deggy at the same time, uh, which is something we hadn't been seeing, and it wasn't like they trotted one guy, one of the quarterbacks out to wide receiver. They actually lined up Garrett in the backfield. Um, and then we promptly did not see that kind of stuff the rest of the game. Yeah, enough of that crap. It went for 11 yards. The crowd cheered, and then we never saw Garrett Green ever again. So it was fun while it lasted, I think. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, and let's talk about it because it really is the elephant in the room, which was, you know, we didn't see this. This all came, you know, to us as we were driving uh, Route 7 back, uh, which we tried not to get car sick on the way back from Morgantown. Uh, but as we were driving back, uh, our phones all started to blow up about – Apparently, ESPN sideline reporter reports Jarrett Dagey returning for next year, guys. So a lot's happened since then. Um, you know, so if you haven't seen it, it's out on Twitter, the video where and it was kind of weird. I went back and watched it uh, live or real uh, the recording that I had of it. And so they come down and she talks about Jared Dagey and how, you know, he's really trying to improve this season and this and that and the other, and that he hope it's he hopes to come back. He's planning on coming back next year. So he and Bryce Ford Whedon can continue to grow and they have a lot to accomplish. And then there was like a stoppage of play. She like threw it back to the guys in the booth. There was a stoppage of play, a commercial break. And then we got back from the commercial break play started again. And, the color commentator, who I can't remember his name, said, you know, hey, what was that you said about Jared Dagey coming back next year? Did he tell you that? And she says, yeah, I spoke with Jared and he told me he's coming back next season. So, like, they seemed surprised. I think probably everybody who was watching the game seemed very surprised. Uh I said to Scooty when the game started, Jared Dagey didn't run or didn't walk with the seniors. I was not surprised. Not surprised. And so then after the game, I guess, I think through uh, more of a press release or talking to only one media member, Jarrett Day, because he didn't do the postgame interview, uh, Jarrett Day says, well, I'm still I'm still looking at my options. So he didn't he kind of decommitted to staying in a way. But it sounds like to me, guys, that this was the seed being planted that 2022 is Jared Dagey again in Mountaineerland. I'm sure they'll have a quarterback competition that'll last throughout the summer, and then he'll be officially named in August. Well, listen, you joke about that, but I'm glad you made that comment because I saw a big conversation on Twitter since since the game of people saying stuff like, well, I'm fine with Jared Dagey coming back uh, to be part of a quarterback competition, and I just was like, if you think there was a quarterback competition this past offseason, you're – you you feel crazy to me. I don't there would I would never expect a quarterback competition if he comes back into this sixth year. And I think Guido, it's funny because it's to me this continues to be such a fascinating thing, right? I think any other year, if you didn't know anything about WVU sports, maybe you're a sports writer, someone approaches you and says, Hey, write up a synopsis for the coming year, you're probably gonna look at stats, you're gonna look at Jared Diggie's stats, his tenure how many games he's played, and you'd probably say, you'd be foolish if you didn't say they're probably hoping he comes back and they get another year out of this veteran quarterback. But isn't it funny 
that if you follow the socials, if you follow, I think, just the temperature of the stadium around Jared Dagey, you certainly don't feel that way. Now, he goes, you know, against Texas, he goes 27 of 43, 290, and three touchdowns, no picks. He's the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, Scoot. So, I mean, it's just funny that the conversation around does he come back takes on this weird tone like uh and it, it's such a it's such a uh juxtaposition isn't it against those stats well, and, and, stuff? And, and here's and here's the thing that's hard about it like if you are not a, a huge wvu fan if you don't watch and keep your pulse on sort of the ebbs and flows if it's social media or if you listen to the radio or whatever it is like if you looked at the stats right now like if you were a college football fan and you were like oh well west virginia beat texas let's look at it Wow, their quarterback's got he he's twenty fifth in the NCAA in passing yards right now. He's he's first in the Big Twelve in passing yards, average yards per game. Like it looks on paper like he's a amazing. serviceable good quarterback. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, he, I wouldn't say amazing, but he doesn't he doesn't every week, weekend and week out. Scooty, you and me, I, I'll I'll say I did it too. And Johnson, we're all down on this this kid and. But the stats don't show it, you know, and so then like that's what makes it so hard is because on the other end, you know, at the end of the season when Jarrett Dagey, you know, beats Kansas next weekend, plays in a bowl game, wins a bowl game, everybody's going to be like, well, of course he's coming back. He's a winner. He's, you know, and we all see it differently. I think that's what's weird about it. Well, I think that it's not like, you know, I, I don't want to rain on the parade because, look, the weekend was fun. Saturday was yeah. a great day. Anytime you can beat Texas, you should celebrate it, even if they are having a down year. But I think Jared Deggie's kind of – he has spent the season and maybe, you know, the season plus, his you know, maybe his tenure at WVU, he kind of carves up bad defenses, Scoot. And I think we sat there Saturday watching him – you know, having a lot of success against another bad defense. Now, I think we talked about it last week with Jake's article about teams that really fail to get after the quarterback, teams that really fail to attack the quarterback. And, you know, we we kind of pinpointed like, look, Kansas State, Texas, and Kansas are three of those teams. Like their rankings against the pass, as far as pass defense goes, is terrible. I think they're all 100-plus ranked in passing defense. He, you know, for whatever reason, we had a really bad day against Kansas State. I think they were still able to get after him. Saturday, he was pretty clean. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of quarterback pressures. Um, I think he was upright most of the game. Now, you you commented like I think we had two play like it came in a bunch at one time where he got some sacks, but for the most part, the offensive line was able to give him time and he had success. And so I think Kansas is going to be another one of those teams. Now, you know, I don't want to count the eggs before they're hatched, but hopefully that's a win and that's probably why it's going to be a win cuz he's going to have time to operate and I think Guido's going to get the carabiners out in the in the rope and he's in his boots and it's going to cause him to start taking some steps up that climb again. You know what I mean? Well, we talked about this a little bit on the way home. So, this climb is this climb uh spruce knob or is this climb Kilimanjaro because if it's <laughs> spruce knob then maybe we're very well on that climb it's probably got an elevation of what like 4,000 feet but Kilimanjaro is like 19,000 so what are we climbing here here's the thing and I'll, I'll say it the nicest way I can possibly say it Johnson which is you know 
we knew Neil Brown coming in his first season, you know, it was going to be a tough sled. It was going to be a tough hill to climb. Second season, okay, there's COVID. There's other things. You got us to a bowl. Thank you. That's great. Third season, I think it was time to start to see some marked improvement, and we haven't, and I don't think we feel like it's moving in that direction. I think my worry is is that now we're – okay, and here's here's the reality of what's most likely going to happen. We play Kansas this week. We're 15.5-point favorites. Kansas already played their Super Bowl and won it, and I don't think that's – Gonna, things aren't. I think we're gonna blow Kansas out this weekend. I really do. I feel. I mean, there's gonna be seven thousand people in Lawrence in Memorial Stadium in Lawrence because they don't they they get a primetime game and okay maybe there'll be seven thousand fifty like, and so we're gonna beat Kansas. We're gonna go to a bowl game that's probably gonna be mediocre at best, and we'll play a team like Rutgers. We'll play some random ACC team that will beat because the ACC is terrible, and so here we are having a season where it was just mediocre. And now we look at next year, and I think, and I think every WVU fan would agree with me, I think Jarrett Dagey's hit his ceiling. Like, I don't think there's a new Jarrett Dagey in 2022. It's the same Jarrett Dagey. Don't worry, he'll be much improved. Uh, he will have, no. uh, <laughs> he'll be behind a very improved offensive line. Well, I line. think we, I think Guido, um, we saw it. Um, early on this season, during one uh, during a game, because I remember Scoot really latched onto it, but it was someone flashed, uh, maybe Fox Sports or somebody flashed a stat of Jared Dagey's career win loss record, and it was like seventeen and fifteen, or you know, I'm I, I shouldn't say that because I don't remember exactly, but it was somewhere right around five hundred, and I think. You know, I get tired of hammering on Jared Dagey. I don't want to do that. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. But I think there's a whole population of fans that came into this season and they'll come into next season almost demanding to see eight plus nine plus wins. And I think that's unfair to think you're going to get that out of Jared Dagey. He's already shown you what you can come to expect. And I think if he returns next year, then my expectations are going to be five or six wins. Cause I know that's what I normally get out of this quarterback. I think, I think we have skill at the wide receiver core. You know, we were talking about that yesterday. It's, well, I think we actually are going to return a ton of really good um, experience at receiver. I know we're losing Letty, but at the other skill positions, I think Mathis and Johnson are going to be really nice running backs. And I think the offensive line is only going to continue to improve. I mean, I know they've had a rocky season, but they're going to continue to improve. The quarterback, I think, is going to be the the thing that stays the same. I think it's going to be the known quantity, and I think we know what we're going to get. And And I don't think that is something that's going to so if you're if you're in that population of fans it's like i want to see improvement i want to see 8 i want to see 9 wins i i really think you need to settle in and back those expectations up because you're just not going to get that yeah. and i mean i just and again there's no clear definitive answer yet but all all arrows are pointing to the fact that Jared Deggie will likely return for next season i think that really kind of puts this quarterback you know, group in question of, you know, do you do you lose a Garrett Green? Do you lose a Goose Crowder to the transfer portal over something like this, uh, Johnson? I, I don't. You know, it's just 
it makes me not feel excited already about next season. Well, and I think the realism of it is, I think if you step back, kind of like we were saying at the top, if you look at stats and things, and if you look at the situation, I think you'd be foolish to say you you don't. I, I know Scoot's going to hammer me for this, but I think you're foolish if you say you don't want Jared Dagey to come back because you haven't laid the groundwork to do anything else. You, you haven't laid the groundwork to have any other options. You've decided you dislike Jared Dagey. I mean, you've decided you dislike Garrett Green with a passion, right? And then Goose Crowder to me is like Bigfoot or a unicorn. Like I've heard they exist, but I've never seen them, right? So I like, how is that person going to be the next quarterback if you've decided you don't like Garrett Green? And what what is, I mean, give me another option. What What's another option than Nico coming in and you just throw him to the wolves and ruin his early start? Like that, that yeah. doesn't make sense to me. So I think if you step back and you assess the situation, probably the only thing that makes sense given what they've developed is to have someone like Jared Dagey come back and be your quarterback. What else are you going to do? Uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, to be honest, but I told you guys we were riding home. And I said to you guys, name some of the highlights from that game. Now, uh, for me and for you guys, we all kind of we rattled off the uh, touchdown to Sean Ryan at the back of the end zone, the touchdown to Winston Wright in the corner of the end zone, uh, Sean Mahomes' interception, and then uh, maybe a close fourth or fifth was – the 15 servicemen and women who flew a helicopter and flashed horns flashed down. That the was, horns down, yeah. That was kind of an exciting thing. Like the uh, the Texas band being up in the nosebleed seats. That was that was a highlight for me. It, it lacks flash. It lacks energy. It it comes across as okay. Let's let's do our best to try to beat this team. Let's see what we've got. Like, well, well, and it we'll and it kind of has this feeling about it. Like, Guido, you're a pro football guy. You remember in yeah. the mid, I can't remember exactly, but in the mid '90s, a bit like a, a big part of my friend group were our huge Steelers fans, and they right, went right. to a Super Bowl mid midish '90s, and they had Neil '96. They I had think? Neil yeah. O'Donnell at the quarterback, right? And I can re- the only thing I remember people used to say all the time is they just didn't want Neil like he doesn't really do anything flashy. We just don't want him to screw up. Like just go out, don't throw interceptions, take care of the ball, let the other guys that are really good on the team do their thing, and we'll win. And the defense will play defense, and we'll win. I get that. that's like when you read Twitter when you when you look at people talk about this team, it's like it's like it's just like Saturday. Jared Deggie doesn't throw any interceptions. He doesn't fumble the ball. You know, you don't, you're not expecting him like Scoot saying, I don't remember anything exciting, but he did manage three touchdowns. Like let's not knock him for that. And he didn't throw any interceptions. That's a good day. That's a really good day. And I think that's what you have to expect. I'm just saying, well, but if you're expecting him to go out and make flashy plays and stuff, you're just it's like, not, it's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not him. No. And here, and here's the thing, John, and I, unfortunately, unfortunate, what's going to happen and great. I, I'll, I'm going to be happy. I, you know, I wanted WV to win on Saturday. I want them to win this Saturday. I'm going to cheer for them in their bowl game, but he's going to win these last three games. He's going to, he's going to pull it off somehow. And then that's going to be what we are building from building off of next year. But I, I just worry that I don't want, you know, and I think this is a problem with the Neil Brown regime or the, the university's sort of take on football right now. And it's harder in this transfer portal 
era, like, I don't want to become a mediocre team, especially with the shifting and craziness that's going on in the Big 12. Yeah, and oh, by the way, like, I, I would also remind us, too, to step back, because Guido and I especially get really emotional, and we get on a roll, and Scoot, I would just challenge you, flashy or no flashy, to think back at our podcast when we were two and four following Baylor and we were looking at the rest of our schedule. And I remember myself saying other than Kansas, I can, unfortunately I'm scared. This could be a three and nine season. And we all sort of commiserated together. Like, yeah, this, this could be really, really bad. And we're going into Lawrence, Kansas now, which is a, like, if there was ever a winnable game, it's this game to finish out six and six I mean, I know it may not be – I may not be in love with the football I'm watching on the offensive side of the ball, but if it can go 6-6 six and six and make it to a bowl, I feel like they kind of pulled their fat out of the fire and got their act together, and they at least finished on a positive note, right? So, yes, but let's – so let me ask you this question. Before the season started, if you're Neil Brown I, – I mean, I know it's going to be like a hypothetical question because we're not Neil Brown – but if you were to say, here are my goals for this this upcoming season, what do you think were the team goals for the upcoming season? Team goals, I would say uh, you would probably say things like, well, I guess if you're not Matt Campbell, but I would say like conference champion. Yeah, conference championship, um, you know, be a ranked team throughout the season. Right. Um you know, things of that sort. Like win my rivalry-ish non-con games, right. you know, things like that. Are we doing those things? Did we did we do those things or did we do things to put ourselves in position to do those things no, throughout we, the season? No, we didn't, and that's a good point. But what I'm saying is, like, when you're 2-4 and four and Baylor just dominated you and you came out looking like you'd rather be at the dentist at Texas Tech <laughs> and everyone's talking about you going 3-9. and nine, And that's no disrespect to Texas Tech dentists. And, and we're – and, like, you you know, Scoot, you're ready to just pull the car into a ditch and just end it, you know, like, end the season – then what I'm saying is I think there was a point there as you're heading into Fort Worth to play TCU. Look, the team could have said we're checked out and we're done and this season's a foregone conclusion and I'm out. And I mean, I'm not happy about how Kansas State went. I'm not happy about getting dominated by Oklahoma State, but I'm just saying on the whole, they kind of kept their head in the game. You know, it looks like they didn't give up on each other and they finished out. You know, they have the potential. Now, if you go into can now look, talk to me next week if we go into Kansas and lay an egg. Right. But if you if you take right. care of business and you give yourself, more, you know, what, another month worth of practice and being together and building, you know, for a bowl game, even if it's not a great one. I think that's a big deal. I think you didn't let it get away from you. And that's something, you know, that's something at least to be like, hey, good, good on you guys. So so this is crazy to me. Right. But if. If we're looking at Kansas, if we beat Kansas, our mindset going into the postseason and off season is positive, correct? I mean, are you are you asking the three of us? Or are you asking West Virginia fans in general? Like, I think if you ask the three of us, it's probably not. I think if you ask the three of us, we, you know, I think we expect more from this team. I think if you ask West Virginia fans. It's very much in the moment, you know? Yeah, I think it's... And I think that's the difference. I think it's at. I think it's more like we talked about the Army game last year, right? In the scheme of things, if you lose the Army, is it the end of the world? No. But 
people then have a really sour taste in their mouth all the way until the next seat. Like your fight, that cloud hangs over your head all the way until the next yeah. season. Well, this Kansas game could it's, it's yes. like the, the pinnacle, right? Like it's a, I, I mean, I no, don't know. I, I agree with where you're going. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that Neil Brown understands. I hope he does, but like, this could be a make it or break it kind of game for him and his trajectory. Right. Yeah. We're framing everything right. up and you taking care of this and you go to a bowl and maybe you take care of it in a bowl. Then to me, that's like, at least you're at treading least you're, water. Yeah. You're like keeping it a little bit positive for next year. Yeah, you swung it back the right direction. Yeah. If we lose this and game, you don't get any bowl and no now, bowl game. And now last that's game you played over, was you lost to Kansas. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, I agree with they'll, you. They'll run Neil and Jarrett Deggy out of town. They're not going to want both of those guys back. Who's going to want both of those guys back? Yeah, and I think another interesting thing that kind of plays, for me, plays a little bit into, you know, what is happening in the program. I mean, we've already talked about the D commits. You know, West Virginia saw two last week pretty big D, you know, players, high school players coming in that decommitted. Um, so that was kind of a challenging thing. On top of that, interesting thing, and we hadn't talked about this yet, guys, uh, Seniors Day on Saturday, you had all these guys walk, Tyler Sumpner, Alonzo Adais, Chandler Semedo, uh, Staley, Sean Mahone, you know, great, Daria, Dante Stills, Letty. A couple interesting names that walked uh, that I didn't jump out to me at first. Um how about Jackie Matthews walking? He's a redshirt junior, and he walked on senior day. I thought that was interesting. Also, and kind of bigger to me, Sean Ryan walked as a senior, and he's a true junior. Um, and I get, like, sometimes you've finished your college degree, and maybe you've decided, hey, pro career's not for me. I'm going to go sell insurance or, you know, do IT or whatever you did. Yeah, you have your degree in. Just thought it was interesting. You don't see a lot of times redshirt junior, maybe not so surprising. True junior, kind of surprising, especially a true junior that was getting well, some playing. Well, and let's be. And here's the here's the thing: the three of us have all been to college. We've all graduated from college. I would argue that college were some of the best years of our lives. And as I get older, obviously, it's a little bit farther removed. But if I'm I don't know, 22, 23, 21. I think I'd like to stay in college. Like, <laughs> I, I would like well, to stay in you college. Have, you have the advantage of the 20 past years to yeah. go, oh, you know what? Those are some really good times. Yeah. I well, should go back to that. Hey, probably was the, the greatest time you were like ready to years, get out. Five and a half years for me. I actually graduated in four years and went back. Scooty's like, college was the best 15 years of my life. And Scooty's like Bluto from uh I went Animal back House. and got another degree. I was like, hey, listen, if if I can come back and get another degree, I'm coming back. College was great. Well, that is interesting. And I, I don't know, Guido, do you frame that up as two guys that are like, I'm 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 finished. I've I'm had good. my Thanks. fill I'm of good. this. Yeah. yeah like, I, are you framing that up? Like, I've had my fill of this situation. I'm moving on. I, I, I think that, yes. And I think it probably made it awkward for Neil Brown. I mean, you should read, if you get a chance, read Chris Anderson's article at earsports.com about it. Because he talks about, you know, Neil Brown talking about being it being a little awkward. And I, I just think that it just makes me worry that we're starting to see all this, you know, flux in the climb and we're seeing it at the player level and you're always it's impossible when you have 80 some odd guys in the locker room more than that 
there's going to be guys that aren't happy. Like that's that's inevitable. Also like, interesting is the Troy job is open. Why is that interesting? Do we see because there's a lot of Troy guys on our staff. One of them get like Jordan Leslie, or one of them go back. Yeah, and, and get a job there. Possibly. And then, yeah, I mean, what, that what would, does that do to recruiting? I mean, I, and so for me, like, and here's the thing, Scooty, like all the on-staff guys, like, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks when it really starts to come to fruition. Like those guys all have one-year contracts. Like none of those guys have multi-year contracts. So like you're prepared. You need to be prepared as a head coach that you're going to lose or gain those guys every year. So, well, but Scoot, I want to go back before we leave that, Guido. I want to go back to, to Scoot's point about, you know, like, do you win or lose against Kansas? How do you set up the season for the offseason? And I just want to complete that. The the thought I was having there, Scoot, just so we're clear, is I feel like if you if you go take care of Kansas and then if you take care of business in a bowl game, it's not that you're – because I don't want you to get the wrong impression from me. I'm not saying that suddenly everything's like bright skies and, and you know rainbows. What I'm saying is – that has now afforded – I feel like that then affords Neil Brown the chance to go, okay, take a breath. Let's get this stuff Do you in have to win the bowl game? For next year. I, I kind of think you do. I'll be honest with you. I kind of think you do. But but let me let me just say and then tell me what you think. But I think – like if you, what I'm saying is if you lose to Kansas, then you've swung it way back in the direction it was prior to Texas. You know what I mean? Like it was like, ah, oh, geez, right. you know, we just got – I think you swing it back that way and then you really don't give your – now you're battling that all offseason. I think if you take care of business against Kansas and I, and I, and I think personally – because you're not going to play a good team in the bowl, right? So I'm saying then I think you have to win the bowl game because you're probably going to play a, a, a mediocre team, right? So like I mean the the thing we were talking about was the report that we might play Rutgers right I don't want to like how am I going to feel if I lose to Rutgers we've owned them forever right so all I'm saying is if you win if you win Kansas you win the bowl game I'm not saying it's now great I I'm saying it's now afforded Neil Brown the chance to take a breath and get his crap together with this team right and I think so my question back to you saying that is if that if we go into next you know next august and jared deggie's your quarterback have you taken the have you grasped the opportunity to get things in gear and hit the next season with the oomph that you want to have a really nice season like what what do you make of that then well that's what like i don't so i think perpetually that you you just push this program down the road another year or two like going into next season can i confidently say Hey, our goal is to win the conference. Do I think we're going to win the conference? Uh, I don't. Not if we're constructed the exact same way with the same play calling and the same cast of characters. Something has got to change. Otherwise, you're going to produce the exact same thing. Uh, do I feel like we're going to be ranked? I uh, know because we're going to still have like it, like none of those things get much better. Something there has to be something and it can't just be traditional player development that, you know, happens just because they're another year older. Like there's got to be some kind of scheme change, some kind of philosophy change, some or, kind of, or like a Clint Trickett situation or a Will Greer situation or like you've introduced someone new into them. Is that what right. you're saying? Yes. Like a new... or, or it's a personnel change. It either has to be uh, personnel, philosophy, or scheme or, or, or play calling. You know, like it's got to be something of those 
to make a change, right? Otherwise, if you're just basically saying, well, you're a year older, you should be that much better. That's not enough. I mean, what's that going to get you? Another win? Is that maybe one, like, is is overall experience, a year's experience worth at least one win? It's not going to be worth three or four wins. No, and I, and, and that's, <laughs> and here's the thing, guys, and like, even with all of that aside, you look at our schedule next year, and it ain't it ain't pretty. I mean, you know our our non conference games. I mean, Pitt. I hate to say this, you know, I'm very excited about the backyard brawl returning, playing at Heinz Field on September third. Uh, Pitt's a good team. Pitt could probably beat us right now. Pitt would beat us right now, and you know Towson State, whatever. And then the Hokies are going to be re- rebuilding next year. I just don't know, guys. Like I, this team next year, if it doesn't do things to change, it's not going to be any different. We're not going to be any. We're definitely not going to be any different. I would argue that the next five games in in our season in in our schedule that would be Kansas. If we win or lose, if we lose, then you're down to four games. I'm worried about the next five. Let's say we win and we go to a bowl game. Those next five games may be the most important games of Neil Brown's career. Yeah, it's almost like a season in a season, isn't it? It's like the this this is going to be an interesting chapter of games that kind of makes or breaks the outlook, I think. You're right. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Like, he's got to win, and I think of the five games, I think he's got to win three. I think he's got to go three and five. I think he can yeah, get I, I by. Mean, you, can't, you can't beat Kansas and Towson and say that you're making progress. Right. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Right. Like, you can't. Right. You've got to win the bowl game. You've got to win up. You've got to win Pitt or Virginia yeah. Tech. You got to you got to beat Virginia Pitt. Tech. Yeah, that's bad news. Uh, that's not great. Especially not great. with especially with like Kenny. I I don't remember off the top of my head. I shouldn't say this about it, but I thought Kenny Pickett was probably on his way out. Right? Is, I think is he, he is. And then and then you know you have Virginia Tech. They're starting brand new with a new coach, so that would be a bad look to lose those two games. But I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I think that's a good point, Scoot. That this, this upcoming four or five games, yeah, that's that's going to be a super important span of stretch of games. It'll be interesting. WVU travels to Lawrence this weekend to play on a primetime game, guys. Seven p.m. Fox Sports One against Kansas. Rock chalk them Jayhawks. Um, West Virginia favored by fifteen and a half right now. Kind of surprised at the line. I thought it was going to be big. Fifteen and a half seems really big, but I think that um, changes once uh, Kansas announces their their uniforms. If they go chrome, maybe, maybe. it stays chrome, high. It if, goes, they, if it if it lowers, yeah. if they going non chrome face masks, it will drop down a little bit. The over under is fifty six on the game as well, so points will be scored. Uh, happy for WVU win, guys. We had a great time. I have to admit something. Very uh, upset. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to b- blame some other people that were involved, but totally forgot to have Scooty make his sign. So, in good news, this might be the one reason I want Jared Daigie to come back next season, just so I can – Scooty still has to do this. This is still <laughs> happening. What He's just going to have to do it next season. The best will be when we forget again, and uh, Nico is like a junior – and I show up with Daigie as my boy for a sign. <laughs> totally forgot to have you hold the Daigie as my boy sign. But we had a great time. We had some great seats. Mountaineer Field was packed. 45,000 people, more than we all expected to be there. Well, and I think, Guido, that's something good to mention, too, because I thought 
there would be, you know, we were all afraid, Scoot, there would be not even 35,000 people there. So I thought it was a great crowd, all things considered. But WVU wins. They beat Texas 31-23. They go on Saturday to play Kansas. Guys, some other stuff we should probably talk about. Um, One is, and I just have to talk about it. I know it's high school sports. We don't talk a lot about high school sports. But uh, my alma mater, Fairmont Senior High School, doing really well, going to the semifinals, and number one listener, number one fan of the show, Jam Kreitz. Mr. Kreitz's polka dots are up against us this week. Um, Mr. Kreitz, I, I apologize, but you will be going down. The Bears I will think be maybe, Polar Bears maybe I can – can I be your bookie here and, and maybe negotiate a bet? I mean, I feel like there needs to be a bet between me. Uh, we, like it, country club pepperoni roll versus whatever polka's best pe- pepperoni roll? I, maybe. Maybe that's what we need to do. we got to figure out something. But uh, So congrats to Fairmont Senior and the Polka Dots for making that. And, you know, we like to mention the Polka Dots. They're like one of our favorite uh, high school teams also on this show, so – we mentioned them a lot. All right, so let's take a break, guys, real quick. We'll be back. We're going to talk a little basketball in the second segment, a little bit about Huggins playing in the Shriners Charleston Classic. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. And listen, don't forget, find us online. You can look for us on the social medias at Got Your Ears On, Twitter and on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. And check out our website, GotYourEarsOn.com. Right, Johnson? It's sort of like the hub of everything about Yeah, that's right. We always post the latest show with all the links to our show notes. You can check those out further. You can click the tune-in link in the sidebar and get to the latest show right there. You can also click through to the merch store and check out some GYEO merch. So check it out, GotYourEarsOn.com. Yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, All right, guys. So WVU travels to Charleston, South Carolina to play in the Shriners Children Charleston Classic uh, finishing third, we kind of wanted a win. We thought we had a good shot at a win. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at the whole weekend, guys, there were lots of ups and downs. And if you talk to Huggins, he, uh, you know, he kind of said that in his post game after the Clemson game. He was like, it was up, it was down. He goes, you know, he, he was happy with the way the team looked in Clemson. I think the thing that bothers me the most is losing to Shaka Smart, Scooty. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really think much about that team, and apparently neither did Hugs because he didn't think much about uh, Marquette either. I don't know that he's a, and maybe he's just as a, maybe this is, uh, I don't a sh- for show or something. Maybe he, he and Shaka are good buddies outside of the. It feels like they're not, but it, no. maybe they are. Shaka is very demonstrative on the sideline. Um, at times, he kind of pl- he coaches kind of with the emotion of a player. And that's probably why kids like playing for him, but it's annoying. It's and it's again another Marquette coach that I can't stand, a la Buzz <laughs> Williams. Right? <laughs> yeah, another coach that I can't stand. Um, 
what is noticeable for me, because I don't know that I really want to go back and break down each individual game. I think we need to take it as a lump sum. Yeah. Um, but the scoot, this was a game. I, so I agree with you, but this was a game in particular where we just had a second half collapse. Like if you think of yeah. that, that Marquette game, we had a sizable lead and then like almost within the first TV timeout of the second half, it was all gone. And hugs was like, he was like anti timeouts during that whole yeah. run. If you re- if yes, you recall, that's the problem. Yeah, and I and I think that's what I had tr- a trouble with. Is you know you saw Kerrigan had that awesome block, and and kind of that did was a the turning sh- point of the game. It was, it was. I mean, it felt like we had so much momentum at that point. He did that awesome block. Everybody's pumped. He does a little show off, I think, and then shortly thereafter there was a game stoppage, and he got pulled from the game, and. At that point, I think that really just turned the game right there. And I don't know if I agree. you know Marquette started to play out of their minds. They started to play. They they went on a run. It was like an eight zero run, and we're sitting there watching the game. It's like call a timeout, Huggins. Like we looked terrible. We were making bad shots. I think there were like two turnovers in that series. Yeah, and the body language was bad too. You know, guys were kind of hanging their heads, walking around. I mean, you could just tell it was sort of falling apart. But but I mean, that was really uncharacteristic of what you had seen. Right. Really, really in that whole tournament up to that point. Yeah, and I think is that Huggins though trying to to sh- teach them a lesson for lack of a better term, Scoot? Yeah, I think that's like some tough love, some some uh hey, listen, there's going to be times where you guys are going to have to figure it out. That's that's kind of what the message he's sending is like, listen, I can't do everything for I you can't if you're not going to listen you. to Yeah. Yeah, if you're not going to listen to what I told you in the last timeout, then why should I call another timeout? That's the kind of stuff that probably he's thinking is like you didn't listen to what I told you to do last time, so why would I bother calling a timeout now? Figure it out. You guys know better than me. Kind of like a, you know, like all coaches do it. Like I don't. I've coached that way. Uh, I've had coaches that coach that way. I know other coaches who do the same. Like at some point, like if you've just told your team what you want them to do, and they decide they're still going to do the opposite, then all right, hey, you guys know best. Go ahead. Let's see what you do. And that's what happened. And I think that, the, you know, and, and then he came out and did the post-game press conference after it with a uh, post-game interview with Tony, and he was, you know, down on the team. He was like, they didn't play. They're not trying hard. They're not being physical. Well, And I think something that caught my attention, Guido, he said, we play Clemson next. They're a lot better than Marquette. You know, he just was yeah, like in a right. sour – he was just like sour about <laughs> the whole thing. And and he, and he you know him, and this is the thing you got to love about him, is he is like a very much emotional, like uh, I, I wear it on my shoulders kind of guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like they're terrible. I'm unhappy, and the next team's better. <laughs> so don't expect us to win. Like that's kind of what he was saying, and I love that about him. Um, I will say that that Clemson game, and there were ups and downs in that Clemson game. I mean, I think Clemson, you know, at one point had a ten or twelve point lead uh, in the second half. Team looked great. I mean, it, now it, it was like a complete 360 in the sense of like you know you saw the team turn around, you saw the team play tough in the second half of the Clemson game, and you know aside from and we'll talk about here in a second some issues that Clemson had at the end of the game. I mean, we kind of got control of that game, and and it felt like the momentum at least at, towards the end of the game felt like we were going to win it. Well, Scoot, I thought I thought it was interesting that. And I'm and I have a feeling you probably paid attention to that the most too. When you're you're only down one at at half against Clemson, and Sean McNeil hasn't scored a point. Right. Yeah. That was that was pretty telling. He hadn't really shot the ball all that much, to be honest with you, up until that point. Um, so I felt good thinking to myself, as long as he's not hurt or something's you know wrong with him, yeah. 
then he's going to score. Like he's he's too good of a shooter to not score. Well, so and I, I had a feeling like that was I think he got all 15 of his points in the final 10 minutes, like in a bunch. You know, all of a sudden right. he just like flipped it on. Yeah, he's going to score. My my big concerns with this team right now are our lack of interior presence. If Diamond Kerrigan's not in, he's the only one that's truly a rim protector. Yes, Gabe will get some charges and he'll get some rebounds. But he's not like uh, the guy that is going to swat shots, and he's he's got a presence, but it's not crazy. He's not tall. He's not huge. Um, Isaiah Cottrell is not a defender. He is at this point in his career. He is not a great defender. Um, he seems a bit slow, and he gets he gets pulled out along the perimeter and gets beat, and that's an issue. And I think Scooty, what's interesting to me is that he was a. I mean, he was a big recruit coming in. I think there were a lot of like there was a lot of hope for him, and I'm not saying that hope's gone, but uh, I think that he's starting to you know, and that's and Huggins plays it this way, like guys who play and guys who play hard and guys who do what they're supposed to do. They get on the court, and I think you're starting to see for Isaiah that time start to diminish a little bit, and you're starting to see other guys take on those roles that we all thought he was going to have control of this season. Well, and I think just to add on to what Scoot's saying too, because that that's a concern for me because I was worried coming into the tournament that the rebounding woes were going to continue. You know, I think someone like Isaiah who likes to be more on the perimeter kind of makes me worry about that a little bit more. But we ended up out rebounding Elon uh, Marquette out rebounded us but it was close wasn't a huge margin wasn't a huge deficit and then we come out against Clemson and we out rebound them so to me I'm kind of I'm trying to spin that in my mind as a bit of a positive because I'd like to see that addressed and it felt like it was better in the tournament yeah I think well I think what you're seeing is some of these guards are having to rebound the ball more and and maybe that's part of the issue is like you know if you're Malik Curry who that wasn't his primary responsibility at Old Dominion yeah now it's like hey listen Malik I don't know what you did last year but here we need you to go get right. the ball it's like all or, hands on deck now yeah like uh you know you're telling some of these other guys Polly Paula Cap and and Kobe Johnson I know in high school you probably didn't rebound the ball all that much here you got to rebound the ball because we don't have the size we don't have those you know we don't have Oscar and Derek Culver who's going to eat up 20 rebounds a piece yeah for sure I agree I also think what's interesting is, you know, Gabe's play has been great this season, and Gabe's been doing the things Gabe does. Uh, starting, I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's confidence. Maybe Gabe is feeling very confident about his basketball play, or what it is. Uh, shot a three, shot a three against Clemson, like pulled up, shot a three. I would argue that's ill-advised. <laughs> a couple uh, dribble drive attempts by Gabe. Also ill-advised. Like, listen, I love Gabe. Gabe's a great guy, great teammate. Um, really a, a dream teammate to have because he's going to he's gonna help you look a lot better because he's going to pick up where you made a mistake. However, like there are times where Gabe has the ball on the offensive end, and I know in high school he had to have been a scorer at some point, but it's as if somebody just gave him a, like, a hot loaf of bread out of the <laughs> – out of the oven and he does not know what to do with this hot loaf of bread. He doesn't have oven mitts on. And he's kind of like, he does a couple little shimmies with the, with the hot loaf in his hand. And then he just kind of like releases it and tosses it up. And yeah, it's awkward. Where it goes, isn't nobody it? knows. Yeah, it, like, it's, it's awkward. But here's the fun thing about him though, guys is like, I, you know, charges are fun. Uh, I cheer so hard when he gets, when he, t- when he takes a charge, like it's like, it's so awesome to watch him, 
play defense that I'm willing to like accept a little bit of the wackiness on offense, I guess. Yeah, and someone on Twitter pointed out, I'll have to go back and dig it up and maybe put it in the show notes, but someone pointed out a couple um, replays where, you know, Gabe's not a shot blocker, per, you know, like a Diamond Kerrigan per se, but he, he affected dribble drives in the way a shot blocker might affect a dribble drive you know like a guy changing direction as Gabe is sliding over because they're so wor- you know five charges in you're worried about this guy getting the next charge on you so I think that's really right. interesting and I think it's an interesting part of Gabe's game that he has that effect on people what we saw more this weekend also is a little bit more of a press Virginia I think we're starting to see shades of that and I, I'm excited to see that continue to grow because I think that that could be our thing. I don't know that we have the depth as far as like wholesale five guys in, five guys yeah. out kind of stuff that we right. used to do in the past. But we're starting to see guys run around. And I think even uh, John Flowers tweeted out that he likes seeing the guys look like they're on fire playing defense, like like they are actually like on fire. But talking about the Clemson game specifically, guys, I mean, it was – well, first of all, and sticking with Gabe Osaboyan, and we jumped off there for a second, but sticking with Gabe Osaboyan, could they have called him the Mountaineer man more times during a game? That was like the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, and – and where did that come from, Guido? I don't, it's not a thing. It's definitely not a thing. They're trying ESPN. Somebody at ESPN was like, "We need to make this a thing." And so then they put up like a list of previous Mountaineer men, and they had it was like, probably your guy uh, Smalligan. Remember, you, didn't you draft Smalligan? You drafted Smalligan. I think Flowers was on there. Uh, Nate Adrian. Nate Adrian was on the list. Like. Nate Adrian was a Mountaineer man. Like I don't understand what a Mountaineer man is. Well, it felt very much Guido like the. ESPN folks saying well, we need a th- we always have a thing we need a thing like is is Jared Daigie playing you know his brother didn't and they're like no you can't do that he's not on the court and they're like well didn't well Garrett Green stole home one time and they're like no he's not he's not on the court you gotta find it and they're like well it's Mountaineer man like Gabe Osborne Boy takes charges and people <laughs> in coal mines like that he's Mountaineer man or I don't know like Mountaineer, it's weird Mountaineer man like, I don't know. It was hilarious. But anyways, the Clemson game, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, one of the more interesting endings to a game, uh, 17 seconds left, uh, Clemson hits two free throws, they're down by three, and WVU's getting ready to take the ball out on the side. JB calls a timeout. Timeout happens. You know, ESPN stays with it. We watch it all, you know, the normal timeout sort of stuff. Come back from the timeout, and you only get the half court, you know, that we're inbounding the ball on. And there's uh, JB's taking the ball out. There are three other guys. Uh, you've got you've got Taz, you've got McNeil, um, and I believe, and I I, I believe the Curry? other person was Malik Curry. I think it was. And then Gabe Osaboyan is way down the other end of the court. And so I'm watching it, and I'm seeing, okay, you've got maybe like. Maybe they've left Gabe open down there. Like maybe Gabe's playing up just off camera or whatever because everybody else's guard. Taz has got a double team on him and everybody's guarded. You know, there's the guy on the baseline. They inbound the, they inbound the ball to Taz and on the ESPN broadcast you hear whistle, whistle, whistle. You know, and I'm like, oh, did that Taz get fouled? Did he step on the baseline? And I, I'm, I, what happened? And then he walks over, still off camera, walks over, technical on Clemson's bench. And the commentators finally go, there were six people on the court. There were six men on the court, and they got a technical foul for having too many players. I, I can't even remember. I, have I? I don't have either of you guys seen that happen before? Uh, so I, I coached middle school basketball for, <laughs> for nine years. I mean, and I was a freshman coach for three years. 
and uh, it's happened more than I would like to say it, it should have, but I don't know that I've ever gotten the technical for it. I've done a couple of like, oh crap, I see that I've got six guys. I yank one of those guys running down the court and I just kind of like push him down and hey, get on the bench. Like kind of one of those real quick like, and he's kind of like, what, what? I'll, I'll tell you later. Just sit <laughs> down and be quiet. You're like holding a kid behind your back. Well, yeah, well, like that has happened. <laughs> um, so, Well, I just find it super hard to believe, Guido, that on a Division One team, really any right, college team, that the, the bench of players and the coach and all the assistants do not catch that there's six men on the court. I wonder how many times a year does that happen in Division One basketball? That's what I would – yeah, I don't. I and I mean, I'd love to see that stat. I don't think it does, Scoot. That's what I'm saying. Like, ESPN did a you know during a replay of it, and you look down the court and you see the guy who was off camera guarding guarding. I put in air quotes Gabe, and he's looking back up. Yeah, the court you would think maybe it dawns on him. And I'm him, like, well, yeah. why isn't that guy looking at it going, "Hey, there's five guys over there on the other side of the court." Like somebody somewhere should have like figured that out. That's kind of you know for for Brad Brunell, who is the head coach at Clemson. That's that's uh, do you lose your job over something like that? Like I don't I don't know that you lose your job. Um, it's definitely not a good look. Uh, and it there was enough time on the clock where it could have been a thing. Like it you know was enough of a thing. Yeah, that's yeah well, I mean. I mean, I think it. They could have won that game still. Yeah, that it took him out of the game. I mean, McNeil comes on, he hits the two shots. We get the ball back. We kind of run it up and down slowly. Then they finally find tough McNeil. to lose your get your job for that. But I mean, I guess anything's possible. Yeah, crazy end to a game. I don't think I've ever seen seen something like that. So, but WVU. I mean, all in all, I think we kind of all had hoped. Uh, that they would win all the way through, but we had said guys early on that maybe they drop one of these games in this in this uh, classic, if you will. Um, I love a classic. Johnson. I know, I know you do, and I I think to I think you're right though with where you were headed with that thought. If 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 you asked us at the beginning of the season with all the moving parts on this team and all the new pieces that have to gel together, I think just expecting them to go in and win this tournament. I mean, there were some good teams in this tournament. Losing to losing to Marquette is no you know that's no slouch. They're they're probably going to have a a decent season, and beating Clemson is a good win. So. I think that's a good tournament. They probably grew a bit in that tournament. You know, they probably came together a little bit more. And I think now if you can parlay that through the rest of this non-conference successfully, that's that's going to that's gonna be pretty good. Well, now we come back in this non-conference and we have seven, seven in a row in the Coliseum. So that's a big deal. You know, you play Eastern Kentucky on Friday, get a couple other games happening the following week. Darius Nichols coming to town. So... You know, you got seven in a row here to help you sort of build off of all of that. And then on top of all of that, you've got Connecticut still, uh, which is a ranked team. So you do have Connecticut coming for the Big East, Big 12 battle on December 8th uh, at, at the Coliseum. But it'll be nice to have those seven in a row, Johnson, to sort of, you know, you're at home, you're in your the comfort and confines of the Coliseum, and, you know, you can kind of grow your team from there. Yeah, and it's an opportunity anyway, I mean, against these teams to get some confidence, and you're doing it where you don't even have to travel. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big opportunity over the next seven games to just kind of take care of business, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up this week. Don't forget, West Virginia basketball plays Eastern Kentucky Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Coliseum. That game is on ESPN+. Plus, so get out your nickels. you got to pay to watch it 
if you want to see it on the television. And then WVU football travels to Lawrence, Kansas to face the Jayhawks. They play Kansas Saturday night, 7 p.m. That game is on Fox Sports 1. And you win that game, we're going bowling, boys. So big game for WVU right there. Kansas, they don't really have anything to show for it. They still don't have a good enough record to get into a bowl. But it's Kansas, and they are trying to rebuild that team. It could be a spoiler. They've got something to play for, though, right? So if they beat us, they've kept us out of a bowl. So there's a little bit of something there for them. Yeah, definitely. And they've got, you know, they've got that third string because uh, uh, you probably aren't going to see uh, Jason Bean, who has been their quarterback uh, all season. You're going to see that third string quarterback that they were talking about redshirting this year and officially played on Saturday. Um, so he's definitely not being redshirted. You're probably going to see him the whole game. And and like we said a few weeks ago, uh, Scoot, he's he's mobile. He can move. And he's a good. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Um, so definitely check that out. And uh, don't forget, check us out too. You can find us online. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also find our website. It's GotYourEarsOn.com and check that out as well. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.